Blog Talk Radio. Uh, well, I go by Lackworth. I'm not going to call someone Lackworth on the radio. <laughs> you use a real name at all? Get ready for Laxworm Radio. I'm not going to call someone Laxworm on the radio. <laughs> Laxworm, how you doing, buddy? Great, Jake, great. I'm not going to call someone Laxworm on the radio. <laughs> Great work, Laxworm, and, and uh, I love the name Laxworm. All righty, it's Laxworm, and I'm back after a long hiatus. It's great to be back, great to be back on the air. I'm excited for tonight. Tonight I have uh, two of my favorite guests of all time, and a guy I never spoke to. So the first guest I have is Coach Cottle. Uh, you know, Coach Cottle was one of my very first guests that I had on the show uh, when I first started, and I had him on subsequently. And it it just became a, a, a you know, I, I just like talking to him. Very candid guy, very very knowledgeable guy of the game, obviously. So it'll be fun to speak to him. Person I haven't spoken to is a guy by the name of Kyle Dixon, obviously another Chesapeake Bayhawk. Um, that's not the theme. Not the theme tonight, but I happen to have two Chesapeake Bayhawks, the coach and Kyle Dixon. So we'll talk to him a little bit. Uh, Kyle, obviously, I haven't spoken to, but I have a lot to talk to him about. Now, my third guest of the evening is going to be a gentleman by the name of Jovan Miller. Had him on a couple times. Um, great guy to talk to. Certainly a guy that, that appreciates the game and gives back to the game and has a lot of strong feelings about the way the game it works and, and the way people are, and, and I love talking to him. I, I ran into him down at the U.S. Lacrosse Conference, and we had a nice conversation. And I'm looking forward to speaking to Jovan Miller. So here we are. <clears throat> we are, if I pull out my trusty clock here, we are 15 days, 22 hours, and 57 minutes. 15 days, 22 hours, and 57 minutes. Now it goes by a 24-hour clock. So that's where we are. Before our first face-off of the 2013 season, MLL season. So I'm excited. Excited about that. I'm excited it's getting close. I'm an MLL guy. Um, you know, I've talked, I'm not so much the indoor guy like a lot of other people are, uh, and I can appreciate the game, the indoor game, but, but I like the field game. That's my game. We have one thing I got to talk about though, and I'll talk, get into it a little bit here and I may have to finish, but MLL this year, I've been very critical of commissioner gross and I've been very critical of how the word gets out to local folks that want to watch the game. And we can't get it any place. And last year they had the CBS contract. This year they have 20 games on the CBS Sports Network. Um, CBS will also carry CBS Sports will also carry 18 episodes of Inside MLL. And if you have never watched it, it's a you know Major League Lacrosse magazine. It's a great great feature. They have six games on ESPN, so they have 26 games, 26 games on what I'll call real TV, but in these days and times of computers and and being able to get things on ESPN3, there's 25 games on ESPN3. So in theory, we can watch we can watch 51 games either on our computer or TV this year. As I said, I've always been critical of Commissioner Gross. I said, you know, we're, we've got to get this out there. I want to give him a little kudos. I always give kudos where they need to be and the little props for Commissioner Gross did a great job. We got a lot of games to watch now this year on the MLL radio ne- MLL radio network on the MLL uh, uh, TV and the MLL CBS network and, and ESPN three. Uh, I'll also give him some props and forgive me if I'm a little rusty. It's back getting back into things. I also want to give him a little props too, and I'm not sure if it, it, it goes to him or it goes to warrior, but in any case, it's it's cert- something certainly that I think needs to be discussed. One of the things I was criticized last year is I saw commercials for the MLL, but the commercials were while I was watching an MLL game, and I never understood that. I never understood that if I'm watching the game, and I, you already got me here, why are you putting a commercial on for MLL 
when I'm already here? Shouldn't we be putting it someplace else? Well, <clears throat> to Commissioner Gross's credit and or Warrior, I watched the Wednesday, the Warrior game of the week, Wednesday. I watched it last night. I saw Cornell and Syracuse play a great game. And what do I see? But I see the commercials now. It's a Warrior commercial, but it's highlighting and showcasing the stars of the MLL. And it is, it's an exciting commercial. It's, it's full of energy. So I want to give whoever put that together, I'm finally looking at a different thing other than the MLL and getting the MLL experience. So I, I, I got I to gotta give props to whoever, whether that's Warrior that came up with the idea to try and push the Warrior products, or if it was a combination of Warrior and the MLL. In either case, I think it's a great commercial. Like I said, energy, energy, energy galore, and that's what we needed to see. It makes it look exciting. You see the hits, you see the shots, you see the, the energy, you see the names on the back of the jerseys. So it, it's exciting to watch that, and, and I'm, I'm happy that it's on, on commercials now that are beyond the MLL. Still lacrosse fans, mind you, but hey, it's beyond the MLL. I also want to give a quick shout-out to Chris Bocklet. Um, you know, that Maverick commercial that he comes out, it's just such a great commercial about how you need to you know, persevere and you've got to keep pushing along and... And, you know, Maverick put a good commercial out, and if you haven't seen it, it's got Chris Bocklet, and he talks about when he didn't make the team as a young child, and he grows up, and he works and works and works, and here he is uh, leading the team out at the championships. But we all know what Chris Bocklet did last year in the semifinals. He just lit it up, and he just has, has, you know, become one of the prominent attackmen in the MLL. Let me see if my first guest is here. Is this Coach Cottle? It is. Coach, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You know, I want to start off, Coach. I, you know, I've had you on a couple times, and it's always a pleasure speaking to you. I know I saw some of your tweets. You had the training camp or your first training camp uh, just recently. What do you What do you look for in training camp? What are you trying to get to from your players? Well, you know, you look at your core guys, your older guys, and see what kind of conditioning they come back in uh, and how they pick up from where they were last year, see if anybody is uh, – move forward or move back. And then, you know, right now we have a, a, a major contingent of guys in the NLL that we don't have, and we don't have our college draft picks. So we're looking at supplemental guys that we picked up, whether they can round out the roster or if, if there's any real surprises. You talk about the NLL. How frustrating is that to you as a coach? I know the guys want to play the indoor game, but how frustrating is it when you're trying to get a training camp going, trying to get a little bit of that um, uh, camaraderie and, 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 and team focus. And, and they're playing a different game, and, and you're going through this time of training camp where you really could use them in there. Well, you know, it's interesting. is You know, the one position where we have a, a large amount of players is on attack that are playing in the NLL. So, uh that kind of hurts us a little bit, but it gives us an opportunity to let uh, a guy like Grant Kaleko, who we drafted a year ago, get an opportunity to find out what he's made of and, and some other guys. So, you know, it's funny. You have three different teams in this thing. You know, you've got your team before the NLL guys come back. You have your team with the NLL guys. And then you have your team with your college picks. So it's a constant change of your team throughout the uh, NLL season. And how difficult is that for you? What, do you? what are you trying to accomplish? I know you're looking at the, the newer players, but how do you start to build chemistry amongst that? If you, As you said, you have three different teams in a sense. Well, you know, again, I think the key to your team is the core guys. And what you do is you try to establish what's important to you as a coach and what's important to your core guys, what they're trying to accomplish and then everyone that you bring in has to make a decision whether they agree with that and are willing to be a part of that. And so uh, the good thing for us is we got all our defensemen, all our middies, uh, most of our goalies, and so we're able to establish who we want to be as a team and, uh, and an organization, and, and in turn the other guys, when they get there, if we're successful, it makes it much easier for them to buy in. You tweeted, I read one of your tweets, and you talked about your core players and coming ready and in shape, and you said that that happened this year. It was great to see them ready and in shape. Is that something that doesn't always happen? Well, you know, my experience was when we won it in 10, in 11, our guys came back in uh, mediocre shape, to say the least. Uh, 
And uh, and we were a team that was, you know, one time I think during the season at then they were three and six. We were three and six or four and six. So uh, in eleven, we, we you know we get hot at the right weekend. We come back in eleven. We did come in great shape. In twelve, we came in great shape. And quite honestly, I was surprised uh, last weekend in thirteen we came in the best shape of the three years. And is that something now how much of that puts you forward in the season? You know, how much of in and when you talk about eleven and, and trying to get the guys back into shape, how much does that take away from what you're trying to do? Well, you know, you can't you like, you know, we're trying to gradually grow our guys ready to play a two hour game. You know, we we did an hour scrimmage on Saturday and an hour scrimmage uh Saturday night and an hour scrimmage Sunday morning. And then we'll we'll try to extend it to an hour and a half this weekend, and then two hours the, the next weekend when we scrimmage uh, the Denver Outlaws. So what happens is when you come out of shape, you have a lot of setbacks, you have a lot of pulled muscles, hamstrings, soreness, guys. And uh, and this, like I say, the first weekend we went through, we didn't have one guy who was injured during practice. So that was a real positive. Take me into your head on the draft this year. I haven't spoken to you. I spoke to you before the draft. Um, what were you looking for in the draft this year when, when, when you went through in Philadelphia? And, and you know, certainly, uh, you know, Jesse is obviously a stud player. But beyond that, what, what were you guys trying to fill? Well, you know, it's interesting. We don't have a lot of holes on our roster. And uh, so we, we looked for, you know, with the number four pick, obviously we felt we could get an outstanding player. Uh, one of the things that we could do or could use is we have some younger players on defense, and Danny Hostetler and Barney Ehrman. Michael Evans is a you know he's been in the league three or four years, but he's relatively young. And then we have Brian Spillane and Nikki Polanco that are on the other side, a little bit older. So one of the things that we wanted to do is get a guy in of who is a great locker room guy who would enhance the chemistry, but at the same time supply us with some. Youthfulness and also the ability to pick the ball off the ground, and and Jesse Bernhardt was the guy that we went up. We think Jesse could really help us on the wing of faceoffs, going from defense to offense transition, and if he had to play down low, he could. And so that was that was kind of a no-brainer for us. Uh, the second round was interesting. We were looking for, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I had some experience with some of the Maryland kids. We were looking at a bunch of guys uh, elsewhere. Also, but John Hawes and Kevin Cooper were two guys I think that you know Cooper's six four, two hundred and ten pounds. He can uh, he, he can play midfield. So if one of those two was available, we were gonna kinda go in that direction and uh John Hawes was actually taking I think the pick before we picked and uh and that would have been a tough decision for us. And so we took Kevin Cooper who's kinda less known but you know, watching him play in the fall Listening to Coach Tillman, Coach Moran, and everything, they thought he was going to have an outstanding year. And unfortunately, or fortunately for Maryland, Kevin's playing attack, so he's he's getting a lot of points. He'll play midfield in our MLL. You talk about. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and as we went along there, we were looking for good players that we thought could make an impact. The Sorchetti boy, uh, uh, Sebastiani, who I. I actually went and watched practice two years in a row, and I was impressed with as a shorty. And then from that point on, I just didn't think uh, – I, I felt like we didn't have a whole lot of spots. And so I tried to kick the can down the uh, the road a little bit and see if I could get, you know, let's postpone it. We'll, we'll be a year older next year, and we probably need more picks. And if they had an expansion of some sort, you know, it puts us in a much better position. So from about, I think, five on, we punted and just kicked it down and traded uh, traded all of our picks except for our number eight pick, who we traded for Jay Card, who because uh, you know, we felt like in the eighth round we couldn't get a better player than Jay, and, uh, and he's another guy that has experience in the league. So that's what we were thinking. Whether we're right or wrong, we'll find out. But uh, it, it seemed to help us build our team. You know, you're talking about the draft. How about the supplemental draft? Let me ask you, i, I got to get into your head. You, you drafted Casey Powell. He had retired. What was your thought on, on drafting him? Well, I don't know if he's retired. You know, I, I, what is he retired from? He's playing indoor right now. Uh, I think he was upset that he was suspended and uh, 
and also has a two-game suspension for something else. But uh, he signed his contract. So for, if you're retired, you probably don't sign your contract. Hmm. And so I, I was, in fact, talking to Dave Huntley today. And sometimes you take pick for off, picks for offense, and sometimes you take picks for defense. And we wanted to make sure that if Casey Powell did play, Casey Powell was going to play for the Chesapeake Bayhawks, and nobody could uh, get Casey to join like they did in 2011, halfway through the season, and he made a tremendous impact to Hamilton. So uh, sometimes, sometimes picks are for offense, sometimes they're for defense. So, so there's there's no sign of him playing this year then? Well, I, I didn't say that. Uh, you're, you know, quite honestly, he signed his contract. Mm-hmm. And so there, right now we've been talking, and he hasn't said yes, but he hasn't said no yet. Gotcha. So, uh, uh, you know, him being traded to Denver, I don't know if that improved our chances for him to play or not. You know, it was part of it that the Hamilton – Team was had most of their players on the Rochester indoor, the same ownership. Now, once he got traded, I, I don't know the difference on that. So, uh, I, the only thing I know for sure is that if Casey Powell plays this year, he's going to play, and we own the rights of Casey Powell. Your your, I last spoke to you in your defense. We talked about how great they are, you know, with 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 Nicky Planco and, and Spalina and Evans and. You, you like that gritty defense, and you, you you said you like the guys as I think as you put it, the sandpaper guys. Is that just your general philosophy, or is that do you work with what you have in a player? Do you go out and look for these guys that are sandpaper guys? I think uh, one of the most important attributes that we look for is, besides athleticism, is toughness, and we want toughness and character, and so. Those are the kind of guys we went out and looked for. Uh, we changed our locker room. I thought it was in 2011, it was a little easy to score on us and nobody paid any price for scoring on us. And so we kind of, you know, our original plan was just to take Brian and when the Nicky deal kept, uh, they kept approaching us about the Nicky Blanco deal, we wound up doing it and now it totally changed uh, what people thought about how tough we were and and how they had to be—they had to be sure that they wanted to score uh, in, in order to play. So that was the—that was one thing I wanted to—I wanted differently for 2012 than I did 11. We wanted to be a lot tougher, a lot meaner, and we wanted people to have to earn goals rather than giving them goals. Let me shift gears a little bit here and talk about GM. Last I spoke to you again, you said we'll see what happens. We're you know kind of out there right now. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Are you guys looking to fill that spot? We actually have filled. We, we've kind of changed it to a kind of a director of player personnel, and we've hired Spencer Ford back from the 2010 to kind of do that. Uh, you know, when when Brian Reese was there, Brian and you know Brian was a GM. We, he and I worked very closely together on personnel issues, and we were in agreement most of the time. And now Spencer and I are going to do that right now. We didn't feel like. Uh, you know, with uh, what we know about the league and what we know about the players, uh, we didn't feel like we had to, you know, besides Brian Reese, we had to go out and, and find somebody with tremendous experience. So we knew Spencer. We like Spencer. He's done it before. He's great with contact to the league, and he'll do a lot of the duties of a GM and just be known as kind of the director of player personnel. Gotcha. So talk to me a little bit about, you follow, obviously, the, the college level. What do you think about the new rule changes? Uh, I think the the first one, uh, the no sideline horns, I think is a tremendous rule change. I think it keeps the game flowing. It reduces substitution. Uh, it makes you more organized. And I think that's been the single most important positive rule change. Uh, the... Face-off rule, when there's a man down only putting two guys up on the wing, I think they learn from our leg. You know, you have kind of a test market for our leg, and we do that. And so, again, I, I agree with that one. I don't agree. I don't like the longer box. Uh, I think that you can position substitutions with guys coming out on the offensive end of the field and now getting a 20-yard uh, advantage to stop breaks. I, I, I'm not sure why 
they did that one. Uh, that one died. I, I'm not very fond of. And the invisible shot clock, I, I think, is absolutely retarded. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, no one in their right mind. And what you're seeing now is uh, I was a little surprised because I thought the college coaches would have adapted to the rules quicker. You're seeing as the season goes along, they're doing stuff now that they didn't do at the beginning of the year. You're seeing a lot of packed-in defenses. You're seeing a lot of going to zone, timer-on situations that teams are, you know, you get an attackman hanging up a defenseman. The defenseman doesn't have any advantage or any reason to go play him, and now you've got a timer on if the offense doesn't take it to the defense. So uh, I think change is hard, uh, and I think but what, what the positive of this, uh, you know, timer on and then a uh, invisible shot clock will be is they re- they'll realize that it's just let's just go to a shot clock and I think you'll see a real benefit to the game. Well, I appreciate that answer, Coach. And Coach, I appreciate you coming on again and and uh, good luck this year. Uh, what do you think? You you think you're going to repeat? Well, you know I, what I do think is that you know uh, you, you always go through this. You know we. We're going to try to attempt to win three titles in four years, and that could be very special. And uh, no one could take that trophy from us last year, but this is a whole new year, a lot different teams. And our, our motto for this year is to chase. We're going to chase. We're going to chase greatness individually. We're going to chase trace greatness as a team, and see how good we can become. And if we're good enough, and we'll be standing, be the last team standing at the end of the year. And uh, and not so much worry about what happened last year, and really concentrate on going forward. So I think we have a good team. I think we have really good players. And when we get everybody there, we'll find out if we're willing to to make the individual sacrifices for the good of the team, as we did in 2012. Very good. Well, good luck, Coach, and I thank you for coming on, and uh, and I wish you the best. It's been my pleasure, and thank you for having me. Thanks, Coach. That's Coach Cottle from the Bayhawks. Always oh, uh, candid. Always honest, and I, and I love that about him. Uh, we're going to take a quick uh, spot right here, and I'll be back in a moment. Tri-State Engineering PC, based in Yorktown Heights, New York, is a professional corporation, and they've been incorporated in the state of New York since 1995. Tri-State is a full-service engineering firm that specializes in commercial building and engineering inspections, environmental inspections and testing, residential home inspections, as well as energy solutions. Tri-State Engineering professionals have a deep industry experience, and they continue to build their experience through extensive continuing education. If you have a commercial or residential civil engineering need, we ask that you call our friends at Tri-State Engineering, 914-962-3692. That's 914-962-3692. Or you can visit them at tristateengineering.com. Tell them you heard us on Laxform. People always ask me, where do you get your lacrosse news? How do you stay on top of the game? And I always tell them, it's in lacrosse we trust. That's your home for lacrosse news. If you're looking for it, go and log on to inlacrossewetrust.com for the most up-to-date news and analysis on all your lacrosse information. That's inlacrossewetrust.com. That's where Laxworm gets his news, and that's where you should, too. Hey, let me ask you a question. Are you shooting for the varsity team this season? What's going to hold you back? Is it your strength? Is it your endurance? Is it that sore knee that sidelined you last year? If you answered yes to those questions, then you need Ivy Rehab. As every athlete knows, to achieve these goals, you need dedication, drive, and great coaching. Again, you need Ivy Rehab. At Ivy Rehab, their teams of physical therapists work with athletes every day, just like you, to get them back to the game. From strength, endurance, conditioning, to avoiding injuries, to helping an injury that you already have and getting you back on the field, Ivy Rehab understands athletes. If you want to maximize your performance this year, visit an Ivy Rehab location near you for a free clinical evaluation. Or visit them at www.ivyrehab.com. That's www.ivyrehab.com. Or call 866-IVY-REHAB. That's 866-IVY-REHAB. Ivy Rehab would also like me to talk about the Ivy Health Hub called the Ivy Health Hub, 
ivhealthhub.com. Go there for podcasts, go there for information, all the information you need about healthcare, musculoskeletal injuries, orthopedic injuries, and their rehab. It's a great site. Go on it, learn, and we'll be back. You're listening to Laxworm Radio, and I'm the worm. Go to laxworm.com for all previous interviews on Laxworm Radio. Also, follow me on Twitter at laxworm.com. Get upcoming information on shows and the world of lacrosse. Again, this is Laxworm Radio. I'm the worm, and you can only hear me on the Lacrosse Radio Network. Okay, we're back, and uh, you know I've got. I'm, I'm excited. I wish I could say something, but I've got to wait till next week. I have an announcement I want to make next week. I'm super excited, so stick around next week. Listen to me on the show. I'm going to make an announcement that's going to uh, at least it makes me excited. I get I get pumped about it. You guys may not care, but it is what it is. You know, one of the things that you know we heard Coach just talk about was you know potentially league expansion if they have another draft and. What do we hear about league expansion? You know, I spoke to Commissioner Gross last year, and he said, ah, you know, we may have an announcement back, you know, coming January. When January comes, I'll announce and I'll talk. But we didn't have an announcement in January. And there's a lot of rumors floating around about league expansion. And I guess the question is, when you look at league expansion, should we be looking into the moves that they're making? Should we be looking at the games in Florida that we're playing? Some of the games that are being played in Atlanta. You know, the championship is in Philly. Are these things that we should be looking at? And I don't know. I'm just trying to guess that move. I'm, I'm, I'm a guy trying to figure out what the expansion is going to be. I'm a guy trying to figure out where the expansion is going to take place. But I see three places, Florida, Atlanta, and Philly. Um, I can argue that maybe the championships in Philly is just because it's in Philly. But certainly Florida and Atlanta are, are ringing bells. You know, we're playing games down there. Uh, we're bringing the sport out there. Could it just be testing the markets? Yeah, I guess it can. But I guess the question is, are we going to expand? Is there going to be expansion in the MLL? And are we going to hear about it in the near term? Or is this something that we're going to go through this year, not really knowing if there's an expansion and maybe the announcement is made at the end of the year? I don't know. I just try and look into things. It's my nature. I'm saying league expansion. I don't know. Let's take a look. Florida, we got games going down in Florida. We had the All-Star game down in Miami. Atlanta, a lot of talk about Atlanta. In fact, I think the commissioner tweeted out one time he was going to Atlanta, flying to Atlanta. Uh, he made the announcement of having the game down there. I don't, I don't know anything for sure. Let me just go on record as saying I have no idea what's going on. But i got to believe that those two markets, Florida and Atlanta, uh, are two markets that we're very serious about at this point into expanding into. There was some talk about Texas for a while, but I don't think Texas is going. I haven't heard anything about Texas since we started or since, since it's, you know, these announcements were made. Um, the championship game in Philly. I mean, let's look at it. Last year, where was the champion? It was up in Boston. You know, maybe Philly, they feel is a bigger market. Maybe Philly is, uh, will, will put more people in the seats in Philly. Maybe they think it's more of a central location for some of the teams. I don't know, um, but I do question, and it's just me, again, looking into these things. Is is there something going on in Philly? Who knows? Um, but let's shift gears to the NCAA. For, you know, the RPI rankings came out and set some teams into a tailspin because here we are. We're coming down to the wire now in the season, and I, if, if you're like me, you watch these teams bounce around, bounce around, bounce around. Right now in the RPI rankings, you have Notre Dame, Denver, Penn, those are your top three teams. You have Maryland, North Carolina, and Duke. There's your top six. Then you go into your top eight, and keep in mind it's top eight, Cornell and Penn State. Who's out of there? Well, you got Princeton sitting out there at the 12th spot. you got Syracuse. Now, Syracuse just beat Cornell last night, so there's probably going to be some movement there. But could, could Cornell possibly fall down to the point where you know, they might struggle to get in? You know, you got Hopkins that they're talking about as a must-win situation. They have to win if they even want a chance. Uh, these are big-name teams. One would argue that maybe, maybe we're seeing some parity in lacrosse. 
maybe the old staunch teams, the Hopkins of the world, uh, the Princetons, the Syracuse. Maybe it's not about them anymore. I mean, we're seeing, you know, certainly Denver's an upstart in the in there. Maryland's have two great seasons. North Carolina's always been. But you see teams, you know, UMass, Hofstra, Lehigh, Dex, uh, Drexel, St. John's, Albany. These teams, Bucknell, they're all starting to, you know, rear their head into this this top, and they've all been in that top 10 to 12 throughout the season. So you wonder, what's going to happen at the end of the year? You know, when you talk about taking eight teams and an eight at large to fill out that, that 16 spot for the tournament, the NCAA tournament, I don't think we're done. Because certainly when I look at the, the rankings, you have, like I said, November, November <laughs> Notre Dame, Denver, and Penn, but then you go to the coaches, and this is the funny part. Let's go to the coaches' ranking. When you go into the coaches' ranking, you have Maryland, Cornell, and North Carolina as one, two, and three. Notre Dame and Denver aren't there. Never mind Penn. Penn is down. Uh, where is Penn in the code? Penn is number 14 in the coaches' rankings. So when you talk about RPI rankings, which is what we're going by, and you talk about the coaches' ranking, which is right. You got Cornell number two. Now, they, again, they got beat by Syracuse, who, according to the coaches, is number eight team. So, seeing as though they were beat, I got to believe they're going to drop down. And when you go into your power rankings or your RPI rankings, you know you're going to you're going to see that Cornell has not really played that many or beat that many. Um, in fact, let me pull it up. If I go into the the rankings themselves, and bear with me right now while I pull it up here, but Cornell. They only have one top five win, and that's Penn. Now, Penn's sitting in number three spot. Cornell's in number seven, which is interesting. They have no top ten wins, which surprised me when I read this. Um, I've been following Cornell. I believe Cornell could be the team to win it all this year. Um, and they only have one top 20 win, and that's against Yale. It just surprised me. I thought Cornell had been, you know, with one loss, you would think that they played these teams. But, you know, people have been up and down. Syracuse, they lost to. They were a number 11 team going in. Brown is their next game. Then they have Princeton, number 12, and then the tournament, the Ivy League tournament coming in there. Um, but, you know, Duke, who everyone wrote off, is sitting in the number four spot in the RPI. And Duke, top five wins. They beat North Carolina. Top 10 wins. They beat Nor Loyola. And top 20 wins, they have none. And who do they have remaining? Virginia, who's currently not ranked in the RPI. Rutgers. Uh, and then they have the ACC tournament in Marquette. So, you know, this is an interesting it, – there's going to be a lot of movement over the next, uh, you know, few weeks as they play these games. Um, but if you look at Notre Dame, top five wins, Denver, North Carolina. Top ten wins, Duke, Penn State, Ohio State. Top 20 wins, they don't have any. But certainly, they, they from a power ranking standpoint, they knocked off some of these better teams. So, um, this at large, <clears throat> excuse me. This, these these uh, RPI rankings are very interesting to me. I know there were a lot of grumblings. They were talking about it last night. I think Quinn Kucinich was talking about the grumblings about Cornell and the fans of Cornell and saying how could Penn be number three and we're number seven? We beat them. Well, they lost last night, so I guess it's a moot point, right? Um, so anyway, this is what we're talking about. These are the the RPI rankings, and don't forget the RPI rankings are. Uh, what do they call it? And uh, uh, the tool for the for the seating and, and the the bids for the NCAA championship. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I look at the coaches' polls because I believe that this is the poll. Even though the RPI rankings, a lot of people say it always comes out at the end. But I look at a Maryland who has just had such a tremendous season. Cornell who has such a tremendous season. Um, you know, Duke who everyone wrote off. I talked about that earlier. Everyone wrote them off. Everyone said Duke is not the team they used to be. Where are they going to go? Well, you know what? They had a slow start. Here they are. They're ranked number seven. They've been winning. They've been playing good lacrosse. Syracuse, they're sitting there in the eighth spot, according to the coaches. Bucknell, number nine. Princeton, number ten. Um, you got some good games coming up. Like I said, you've got some some beauties at the end of the day that are really going to start to mix things up as we get into the, the championship season and we start talking about it. I was supposed to have Kyle Dixon on. Um, I did reach out to him. I, I thought we had confirmed, but, you know, Kyle, some of you may, may have read that he, uh, there was an article out about the 42 best lacrosse players on Wall Street. 42 best lacrosse players on Wall Street. Who knew there were 42 lacrosse players on Wall Street? Anyway, he was in that article as, uh, you know, working Wall Street. 
Um, so, you know, he's got a real job, so to speak. And then he plays lacrosse. And, you know, I, I was interested to talk to him about that. If, if he had his druthers, would he rather play professional lacrosse if he could full time? Um, or does he like the financial world so much that he would stay there? So uh, hopefully some other time we'll get to talk to uh, Kyle Dixon and chat with him a little bit. Uh, I do have Jovan Miller coming up in a couple minutes, and I'm looking forward to speak to uh, Jovi. Um, he's been on the show a few times. He's with the Charlotte Hounds, and you know the Charlotte Hounds went through some big changes this year, so I'm interested to hear what his thoughts are. I'm not sure if they had camp yet. I know Bayhawks did. Uh, but we'll talk to him about what his camp schedule is and whether or not he had that. So um, I'm going to take a quick breather here because I'm going to talk to Joby when he comes back. And I will say this. Do you have athletes in your family? Are there adults in your home trying hard to remain physically fit and active? If you answered yes to one or both of those questions, you need to know Ivy Rehab. Ivy Rehab is the Tri-State's premier provider of physical therapy, wellness, and athletic enhancement services. With clinics in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, Ivy Rehab is ready to support you and your family in enhancing your athletic performance, improving your family's overall wellness, or supporting you as you recover from an injury or surgery. Their clinics are staffed by talented physical therapists, accept most major medical plans, and offer flexible hours to suit almost any busy schedule. Stop by your neighborhood Ivy Rehab clinic, where a member of their physical therapy staff will complete an initial evaluation for free. To find a location near you, visit them at www.ivyrehab.com. That's www.ivyrehab.com. Or call 866-IVY-REHAB. That's 866-IVY-REHAB. I talked about the IV Health Hub, and I'll just remind you again. Go to the IV Health Hub. They have podcasts. They, they have one up there right now about Kevin Ware, and I don't know how many of you saw the Kevin Ware uh, I don't even know what you would call it other than a nightmare when he uh, you know, jumped in the NCAA championships, came down and essentially split his leg in half. Um, but there's a, there's a whole commentary about his injury and what they had to do to repair, which is very interesting. It's about 19 minutes long, so it's not a long thing. Uh, you go on and listen. Check it out. They also have a bunch of articles. There's some stuff for, you know, if you have some kids that are baseball players, you, you might want to listen to the throwing podcast, or you might want to read about throwing injuries. Um, there's osteoarthritis that's going to be on there. There's a bunch of things that they talk about, real-life stuff, hip arthroscopy, uh, torn biceps tendon. It's all good stuff. Check it out. It's ivyhealthhub.com. That's ivyhealthhub.com. You're listening to Laxworm Radio, and I'm the Worm. Go to laxworm.com for all previous interviews on Laxworm Radio. Also, follow me on Twitter at laxworm.com. Get upcoming information on shows and the world of lacrosse. Again, this is Laxworm Radio. I'm the Worm, and you can only hear me on the Lacrosse Radio Network. All righty, so let's chat a little bit about We were talking on NCAA. Let's not jump off that real quick. Um, you know, the games that are coming up this weekend, which I think are going to be good ones, uh, I talked about Q Downing Cornell um, yesterday, which if you didn't watch the game, it was a good game. Uh, you have, you know, UVA, who's not ranked, playing Duke right now, but, you know, this ranking thing at this point, people have been in, been out, been up, been down, been one, been two, been three, so... I think that's going to be a great game, Duke versus Virginia. You got Yale versus Brown. Yale's one of the one of the teams that is on the bubble there. Uh, Bucknell and Lehigh. That should certainly be a good game. Um, let's see who else we have. We have uh, we have no movement on my computer right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Here we go. It just moved. Uh, so who else do we have? We have Denver playing Loyola. That should be a good one, right? Albany UVM. I'll tell you, Albany. When you talk about Twart and Ward, and you've got you know. Lyle Thompson sitting out there and the Thompson boys. Boy, is this kid on fire or what? I mean, I don't think I've seen a game under four or five points that he's had. So he's just been ripping it up. And, and certainly Albany is, is playing well. Uh, Rutgers plays Syracuse. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, you've got, uh, you know, who else do we have? Towson playing Penn State. That could be a good game. 
So we've got some stuff coming up this weekend that's going to be pretty exciting. We also have the, uh, you know, don't forget, we have high school season going on all over the place. So get out and support those high school kids because, uh, you know, they play a great game, too, and it's always fun to watch. As Jovi, is this you? Yes, sir. Hey, welcome back to the show. No, thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Hey, I was just, you know, I was saying that, uh, you know, the, I was talking high school a little bit just now. I said, you know, get out and watch those high school kids. How big was high school lacrosse? I mean, you, you grew up in that Syracuse area. How big was it? Um, I mean, it was a huge deal, actually. Um, I know that there's a lot of, I mean, we've always had a, a good amount of good players, but I think underappreciated for a lot of the good teams we had in the area, especially around the time I was, like, coming out of high school. But um, I have to say it was pretty big, especially knowing that, uh, you know, if you had a good season, you could pop up one day and probably, you know, look over on the sideline and maybe see a Coach D, you know, Coach Desco, you know, chilling on the sideline. <laughs> Let's talk a little MLL. You know, what's your camp schedule? Um, I think we start – we have our physicals tomorrow. And then um, I know Saturday, bright and early, we get it going. So uh, I think we have two sessions on Saturday – another session that's on Sunday, and I think that everybody kind of disperses and goes home for a little bit. Now, what do you, you know, during camp, I, you know, I spoke to Coach Cottle earlier, and he was saying, you know, it really comes down to the core players and, and, and what they do. You're obviously a core player to the Hounds at this point. So what what are your goals in camp? What do you try and do in camp? What, what do you get in there and say, this is what I've got to accomplish? Uh, I have to say, I mean, it's more, I look at camp as survival. Um, I don't really look at it as something of a progression, as in, like, I think after a while, um, when you finally start to see how the team is going to develop, probably um, maybe right before we get into our first game against Denver, I think you more or less want to focus on the on the team aspect. But, I mean, going as an individual, going into it, you, more or less it's, it's about the, the survival. Um, you know that everybody out there that you're playing against really – is obviously fighting for a spot. So I think the relationships, the friendships, and everything are definitely established, you know, with me um, off the field. But everything else is, is more or less the business. So when I'm on the field, it's, I don't have any friends out there. It's more or less to kind of set a tone. That's interesting. You know, you, you talk about off the field. What if, if I were to talk to your teammates, what kind of player would they say you are? Um <laughs> They'd say I'm probably the nicest guy you could ever meet off of it, uh, off the field, but I'll rip your head off when we get on the field. Um, I'd, I'd have to say that's probably the best way to describe how my teammates would think of me. I mean, um, I mean, there's, there's a reason why I'm, I've been personality of the year runner-up for a number of years. I mean, I am a pretty entertaining kid. Um, I do like to act like a kid for the most part. So they know that that's just a part of my nature to honestly, you know, be making people laugh and everything. But at the same time, as soon as the, the helmet comes on and um, we put the cleats on and we're out there competing, um, I'm a whole different person. You know, Charlotte had a lot of changes on the offseason. No burger, no bitter, no bolt. It sounds like I'm talking menu here. <laughs> How does that change? I mean, you know, certainly burger, bitter, and bolt, they, they all – top three of the top five scorers of your team. How does that change the team dynamics, do you think? Um, it, I think it just sets some some people up to probably take bigger roles. Um, I loved having Berger just because Berger, he was so much energy, but he was so productive. He really helped me a lot just with a lot of aspects of the game. I was still kind of feeling out as the game went on or as my career went on. He really helped me with a lot of those things. Um, I know with with you know, my relationship with Baltus, I've known Baltus, I mean, we've been playing, you know, top order football against each other since we were little kids, so I've known him for a long time, so that was just something that was, uh, it was unfortunate, but um, I mean, I've known Bitter for a little bit as well, so I think changing that dynamic and just not having them there is kind of like for some guys who maybe, who are in, you know, good roles, but they're going to have to take bigger ones, uh, including myself. Um, most of the time we played games, we had Berger. Berger would usually, usually get the long pole. Um, I know we do have Pete Poli on, um, you know, coming in. So hopefully that, that remains true. But at the same time, I guess um, I want my role to con- increase as well. And, um, I mean, this is something I've been looking forward to for a long time. Well, I was going to ask you, do you think it changes your role? Do they think they look to you now as, as uh, 
not that you weren't a leader, but becoming more of a leader on the field? Like I said, yeah. I, I wouldn't – I'm not going to sit up here and, you know, pat my chest and, and tell everybody, I, you know, I'm the leader. But, I mean, if that's something that my teammates and, and the coaching staff are, are going to require of me, I'm more than up to the challenge. Um, but I think that uh, as somebody who is, you know, coming back in my second year, it's the first time I've actually been with the team for a second year, um, I'm a little bit more familiar, I guess, with, you know, you know, playing with one you – know, playing with – a team for a certain amount of time. So, like I said, I mean, if I can calm people down, if I can get people more composed as far as, you know, maybe when our rookies get here or something, I would love to be able to do that. But at the same time, if, you know, the coaches are just asking me to be productive on the field, I can try to do that too. I ran into you down at the U.S. Lacrosse Conference, and I you talk about energy. You had more <laughs> trying to promote this game, you were running around talking to people, you, you were saying you were passing out T-shirts. How much does this game mean to you that you that you feel you need to grow it so much? Um, I think that, you know, anybody who comes from a similar circumstance when I think anytime you feel like, um, like wow, how did I get here? Anytime you really, you know, have the time to recollect on everything you've accomplished or anything you've ever went through in your life, it's one of those things where I guess, like, lacrosse was there for me. It was definitely the most convenient thing to ever happened to me. And, um, you know, I think that's the most I can give back to it is to give it more attention. And I don't mean that in a negative fashion, especially from the last time uh, me and you were you know, on a radio call, but... I think just in general, it just it means a lot to me just to be able to um, express and show a lot of people out there how much the game has meant to me. Um, and like I said, I mean, like you said, if you saw me walking around and everything, it, it just has meant a lot to me. So if it's giving out T-shirts, if it's signing autographs, autographs, if it's giving free clinics, like I'm willing to do anything just because I think the sport has given me so much, and why not give back? You know, it was funny because I was, you know, you met my daughter. We were both down there, and, and you made such an impact on her. Um, and candidly, she didn't really know who you were because she, she plays the woman's game. She doesn't really follow the men's game all that much. But you made a huge impact on her. And then there was a little kid, and I don't know if you even know this. You, 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 he walked a T-shirt. I'm going to give you a T-shirt. And I happened to walk down, and this kid, I have never seen a bigger grin on someone, and, and just by you to him, and his father was so excited. I mean, I, you, you're truly an ambassador of the game, so I want to give you some props for that. That was just absolutely terrific. I appreciate it. Um, I mean, I think if I kind of reverse the role, I mean, I had people that when I started playing lacrosse, I had definitely, like, you know, loved to watch. I would have loved to interact with. And I think that, um, like I said, sitting here now, I absolutely – I still don't know how I got to this point. So with that being said, it's always crazy to just think that it could have all been gone just like that. So I always, you know, wished when I was younger that one of my favorite players just came up to me and had a casual conversation. So now that I'm in that same situation, I can't help but be able to, I, I want to be able to, I don't want anybody to ever say, well, that kid blew me off. I don't ever want that to happen with me. Who who are your favorite player? Who were your favorite players growing up? Uh, I really liked Kyle Harrison. I just you know, I mean, he's a Blue Jay. I'll forgive him for that part. But um, I really loved watching him play. I actually have a greater appreciation for the player he is now, after being able to play obviously collegially myself. I have a better appreciation for for how great he was. Um, but one of my favorite players, I think he's probably my favorite of all time, is JJ Bear. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say I emulate my game after him because I think he's a much better player than I am, um, and probably will be. But uh, I think that the fact that he was like a two-way midfielder that I got to watch a lot, um, especially when he was uh, with the Long Island Lizards, must. Um, he's somebody I've always loved watching just because he was so gritty, and he, but he was so uh, so powerful as a player as well. Well, I have to give you some some congratulations, right? Your boys uh, took down Cornell last night. Yes, we did. <laughs> Talk to me a little about what you think of the game the, with the new rules and uh, you, you no know, horns on the side, the bigger boxes, the face-offs, all that stuff. What, what are your thoughts on that? 
I mean, I mean, I think it's great. I just wish we had the same rules when we played Maryland <laughs> when uh, we were in the quarterfinals. Uh, but uh, I really like the steps that it's really taken um, over the last few years, and especially now because it just it makes it speeds the game up. Um, and I think it's just been great to to see that you know now it's you can't do anything intentionally x amount of times without being penalized for it. Um, I know with, as far as like the the shot clock and everything. That's a new thing as well, but I love the fact that that's um, really been implemented as well. Yeah, I, I think it's it certainly has been speeding the game up, and it's it's made it a little bit more exciting. I'm not sure I like the invisible shot clock, but I, I do agree that it's yeah. it, given it another dimension. You know, you mentioned something earlier, and I just wanted to not to dwell on it, but I wanted to bring it up again. I didn't get to speak to you. At, you came on my show the last time, and you voiced your opinion on something, you know, a campaign that Warrior was doing. Um, and the, the, I think it was the next day or the day thereafter, they pulled that campaign. Um, yeah. Two things. What were your thoughts about them pulling that campaign? And did they ever come back to you and say, hey, you know, we, we're sorry that this offended you? Um, I, I don't even mean, I don't even want to disparage them. I don't even want to make them look bad or anything. I know in the moment of when it happened, um, yeah, like I was reached out to, it was a, it was a brief conversation. Um, in regard to how everything ended up turning out and uh, all of the backlash and stuff that ended up happening, it was like I said, it was a it was a brief convo, and uh, it's kind of like one of those things where I think that um, maybe people on their end didn't understand the magnitude because after it had happened, obviously it had the lacrosse world itself talking. You know, it wasn't just, you know, people in my corner or people who opposed me. It was just people in general all over the place talking about, you know, the ordeal and talking about um, what had kind of, you know, what had went on. And the only thing I would say to that was um, I hated the fact that I had to take the fall for people or take the fall and say something like that. And then finally it was kind of to everybody's recognition to see, um, all the negative responses that came as a as a you know as a result of it, like you know if, if people had an issue with slogans before I did, you know why was I the first one to say something and why did I take a brunt of it? Hmm. Well, it was certainly interesting. I mean, did you feel was that a? I mean, I don't know how to. I guess it's a good feeling. Was it a good feeling to see him pull that down? Did that just your concerns? It did. Um, but I think that the best thing about it was uh I think the backlash was probably the the best lesson learned out of everything though. Um after it had been it had been removed, I thought that a lot of the phone calls and um if you if you ever get a chance to check my Twitter out, if you go to all my favorites, you scroll down a little bit, you'll see a lot of the stuff that came as a result of my boycott, um, a lot of people who reached out who did not like, you know, my stance or whatever. I think that, yeah, it was great to see that the slogan dropped, but it was more important to me, I think, to not only um, see how many people were in support, but more or less um, the stir it caused, um, you know, just overall in lacrosse and just people in general. Well, Joey, I appreciate you coming on again. You know, you're certainly one of my my favorite guests. I love speaking to you. It's it's real easy to talk to you. I think you're a very candid guy, and I think you really love this sport, which is where I am as well. So it's always fun to have you on. I wish you good luck in camp. You know, get your physical done and go out there and kick some tail on the field. Um, and we'll see what your new role is. I'm looking forward to seeing you this year. Can't wait either, man. I like you do a great job. Absolutely love listening to this. Um, Hey, I would love to come on whenever. Uh, I'm open to anything. I'm doing a great job, like I said. I just um, appreciate you guys having me once again, and um, hopefully this isn't the last time. No, I'm sure it will not, Jovi. I appreciate you coming on, and, and like I said, good luck this weekend, and uh, I, I definitely will speak to you soon. Yes, sir. All right, bye-bye. Yeah, uh, that was Jovan Miller, and uh, those of you that don't know him, he is a midfielder for the Charlotte Hounds. Uh, he is considered one of the personalities of the league every year because he's just 
I can't say enough, and, and I wish I could have explained it more about what he did in that, that, that the kid was probably, I'd say six, seven, maybe eight years old. And when Jovi went up to him, it was interesting because I'm not sure his father knew who Jovan was, um, but just the fact that Jovan paid attention to the kid, handed him a T-shirt, talked to him a little about lacrosse, um, I, it went such a long way, and you talk about ambassadors of the sport, and I will say this, that Jovan is obviously, I've seen him in action, he's terrific. But I will say that these MLL players, and lacrosse players in general, they do such a great job of promoting this sport. What other professional sport can you go to where after the game, the players hang out and sign autographs and talk to you and get pictures taken? There is no other professional sport that does that. MLL does that. I had a long conversation today with somebody, and it was very interesting. Lacrosse, lacrosse fan, I mean, you know, he actually coaches lacrosse. Doesn't like the MLL. Bases his dislike of the MLL, if you will. Um, I'm not sure it's a dislike. Just doesn't doesn't watch it. But bases his dislike on the fact that they're professionals, and you know what happens with professionals. When they become professional, they become showboaty. They become this. They become. A, and I said, Have you watched the MLL? I don't see that. I don't see the showboaty. I see guys out there playing the game. And his other argument to me was, you know, they, they start getting paid and, they, and you know, the game, it's, it's not the same game anymore. I like college because they, they all go out and they want to win. And it was interesting to me because I said, do you think these guys get paid a lot? These guys are going out because they want to continue to play lacrosse. Yeah, they get paid some money to do so, but it's certainly not life-changing money. So, you know, my point was simply this. I look at these guys, they're trying to promote the sport. Would they like to make more money? Absolutely they would. Who wouldn't? Would they like to be able to, you know, some of these guys are making their money be through lacrosse, period. They have lacrosse camps and, and programs and all this other stuff that goes along with being a professional lacrosse player. But let's face it. I mean, how much money are they making? They're certainly not making Wall Street money. We could ask Kevin or Kyle Dixon about Wall Street money. They're certainly not making that kind of money. They're not making, you know, Major League Baseball, professional football, basketball money. They're making some money to get out on that field and entertain us. I'm looking forward to 15 days from now. Let me give you the exact count because we're very close now. So I'm looking forward to, uh, every time I get this close to the microphone, I get feedback. I'm looking forward to 15 days 22 hours and one minute, 15 days, 22 hours and one minute for the face-off. I am looking forward to the MLL season. I love lacrosse. I'm looking forward to the NCAA tournament. It, it's, it, that's in Philly. There's going to be a lot of lacrosse in Philly. Philly's town is going to be hopping with lacrosse this year, the NCAA tournament, the MLL championships. Um, you got the Wings playing right now. I'm running out of time. Otherwise, I would have had my buddy, Professor Rocco Granato, to come on here and, and talk the uh, talk up the wings and talk up the NLL. Um, but that's where we are. We're in this quasi-time where, you know, the MLL is getting ready, the NCAA is finishing up, and high school season is full-blown. At least here where I am, it's full-blown. So with that, I am Laxworm. This is the Laxworm Show. I am so happy to be back. I look forward to... Just getting back into the swing of things. Next week, big announcement. I'll leave it at that. I'm excited. This is Laxworm Radio. Thanks for listening. It's another week.